change the world together. Welcome to the Snapcast, the podcast for all nonprofit professionals, bringing you interviews and amazing ideas for nonprofit leaders. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Nonprofit Snapcast. I'm your host, Mickey Desai. My guest today is Dr. Steve Iacovelli, who is the principal of the Top Dog Learning Group, also known as the Gay Leadership Dude. Steve, how are you? Hello, Mickey. Welcome. I'm glad we get to do this today. I've long been looking forward to this. Um, uh, And we were saying at the top of the, uh, of our preliminary conversation that thankfully we're not getting hammered at the moment with (laughs) with bad weather. Um, But we're going to talk about diversity, inclusion, equity, some of those issues as they Mm -hmm. may or may not apply to nonprofit entities. First, I wanted to kick off the conversation with something I read about you once that, that, um, uh, you know, we all talk about diversity and inclusion and equity, but but the word belonging doesn't mm-hmm. get thrown into the mix too much. Uh, but I, I think you've written about that or you've spoken about belonging. Yeah, that's I've heard that a couple of years ago and it just really stuck with me. And, and, and what I like about it is if you think about the concepts and kind of the evolution of the diversity and inclusion and, and equity and justice and things of that nature, you know, diversity is the, the similarities and differences of people. Inclusion is, is kind of engaging those folks where belonging kind of switches it around and it focuses on, you say, the employee or the team member, whomever's partless, we'll say, of, of the work environment. And it's about them and their feeling versus what we're doing as the quote unquote organization. And I always like that because it, it makes it, you know, uh, I say learner centric, employee centric, whatever you like to say. And I think it's a better perspective to kind of approach things on than the organization to the employee. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, you know, if, if I'm reminded of the golden rule and the golden rule is only really useful if, if, if you're the recipient of that considers it to be useful. Right. Yep. Uh, yep. So I've often said that the golden rule should be do unto, not do unto other unto others as you would have them do unto you, but it should be do unto others as they would have been done to. Something like that. Yeah, I know Something what you like meant. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I, but I think it's really interesting because I've worked both in as well with a lot of human resources, diversity, inclusion functions for Fortune 500s and, mm-hmm. and the conversations, but we're doing so many great things to be inclusive. We're doing this marketing thing. We put out this statement last summer. We have employee resource groups. It's like, great, but do your employees think that you're inclusive? Do your customers? That's really the key. That's really the key. So how do we start that conversation for nonprofits? I mean, I know a lot of nonprofits are wrestling with, with the issue of diversity and inclusion, not only on uh, a service basis, but within mm-hmm. their own boards and within their own donor base. How do you how do you get them to take a closer look at how to do the diversification thing? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the very, very first step is asking that exact question that you asked, Mickey, is you know, what are we doing to be more consciously inclusive? And I like to use that, that phrasing very specifically because it's what we can do. It's not just it happens. And and whether it's who we're focusing on for our, our nonprofit work, um, like you said, who, who is sitting on our board, what are our marketing materials look like? And little mm-hmm. things like that as well can go very, very far in being consciously inclusive as an organization. Sure. Are, are we talking about bias? I mean, is, is mm-hmm. it our own implicit biases that get in the way? And I mean, because, you know, I could sit here and be a uh, a board member for an organization and say, yeah, we, we need to diversify things. But, but you know, in, in some cases, I think that diversity for a lot of people means black and white. I mean, mm-hmm. there, first of all, there are many more dimensions of diversity, but, but how then do I make those targets? Because doesn't targeting a protected group also lend itself to a different kind of bias? 
Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic question. That's actually why I started using the phrase consciously inclusive versus, you know, unconscious bias. It actually started when I worked at Disney and I was teaching mm. things like, uh, like, you know, unconscious bias. And I was doing a session and there was clearly a gentleman in the back of the room who was voluntold to be there. You know, he did. Oh. You just read the body language. He was so <laughs> not into it. And so during a break, I went up to him and I just said, um, you know, hey, Bob, is there is there something on your mind? He's like, well, if it's unconscious bias, I can't do anything about it. And I'm like, you know, good learning for Steve. Because And ever since then, I, I flipped it around to say it is an active thing we can do. And boards can do that. Organizations can do that. And, and you're right, though. It, it is do we have some unconscious biases that that are creeping into our day-to-day work as a nonprofit uh, and, and maybe maybe impeding our mission or our goal to serve those who we're trying to serve? And so it, it, it's it's having that that check for all of us, meaning whoever's working within the workplace or the organization, to hold each other accountable to say, hey, is my unconscious bias peeping up in, in what I'm trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish? And, and so it, it could be simply as, uh, you know, I'm trying to recruit board members and hey for nonprofits especially if that's it's hard to do sometimes it got not only just get people who want to engage in the time and provide their energy and, and their their passion but you know if you're a working board you yeah. add extra to it and so sometimes we're just like oh warm bodies pair of hands awesome yeah. and and so yes that's great but take a step back. Where are we going to ask for folks to be part of our, our nonprofit or, or the work that we're trying to accomplish? And, and are we going to the same places? Maybe we need to go to another place in order to get some different demographics. Uh, and, and Mickey, you make a great point earlier. Um, yes, race, race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, physical ability, those are absolutely things we need to be thinking about, but also be mindful that um, you know, my favorite definition of diversity and inclusion is the one by um, Garden Schwartz and Rowe, and they talk about the five layers of diversity. And so um, personality type is a facet of diversity, and it's not to diminish, diminish what they call the internal dimensions, the ones I just mentioned, but also just being mindful that there's other ways to look at diversity. I mean, things just as simple as are you a parent or not? Um, you know, parental status absolutely look, changes the way you look yeah. at the world. And so that type of diversity is also uh, something we need, not just race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, physical ability. Right. No, absolutely. Um, how do you become conscious of the unconscious? I mean, <laughs> isn't that really the crux of the issue for all of yeah. us, I think, you know, and and my own background is in counseling psychology. Uh, and it, I think that the journey is kind of similar, but none of it is easy, right? You can't just say to someone, oh, hey, you're suffering from X, Y, and Z, and voila, your life is not right. better. Right, so. Right. How do you get a person to 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 um, to consciously say, "Oh, I really have been biased for a long time"? <laughs> when I, when I teach my workshops, um, we always start with the: if you are in this room, whether that be a virtual room or otherwise, and you're breathing, you have bias. So I'm assuming that's most of the people in my space, and and so we start at that perspective, and then we start playing around with, with um, things such as like Project Implicit. If you're not familiar with that, uh, listeners, um, if, if you Google IAT or Project Implicit, it, it's an online assessment to start to look at what may be your own unconscious biases. So you start there as well, because uh, it's that internal thing. I, I, if I need to kind of own it and say, hmm, do I have some biases? Let me check. Right. And, and and so you start down that path. The, the great thing is um, we can de-bias ourselves as humans, but it does start with that awareness piece of it. And, and Project Implicit is a, is a good starting point. Okay. Uh, what else does Project Implicit do? 
So it's uh, for those not familiar, it's it's a consortium of several um, universities, uh, Harvard, East Bay University of Virginia, and I think two others. And what they did is back in 1998, um, this consortium of, of scientists said, mm-hmm. can we measure unconscious bias? And that's actually what they created with uh, the implicit association test, um, IAT, as they call it. And, and so you, you can use it for free, go out there and start to play around with those. They do some other things. They do some publishing, um, data collection about you know unconscious biases and their, their pervasiveness uh, in in the workplace, and, and so it's it's a really cool not for profit way to look at or start to look at um, those unconscious biases that we may all have out there, and then start to think about ways to debias ourselves within our respective workplaces and, and organizations. Okay, I'm definitely going to have to check this out. Um, you've written a book, Pride Leadership: Strategies for the yeah. LGBTQ plus plus leader to uh, to be the king or queen of their jungle. Yeah. Uh, and my first snarky question is: Is it really a jungle? Uh, I think it depends on your workplace, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I had to, had to go with some sort of analogy to keep the pride sure. thing lions. Yeah. yeah sure. My publisher thought it was a cute idea. So <laughs> it's a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. A great idea. But what kinds of things did you cover in the book? So what I, what I, um, to, to talk about how the book started, you know, I've been in the diversity, inclusion, leadership, uh, change management space pretty much my whole career. So it's been three years, which has been great. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's been 25 plus years. And, um, and, you know, and I've had the pleasure of working internal with places like Disney and IBM and then uh, external as my own consulting practice for the last 14 years or so. And you start to see leaders and you see patterns of behavior. And I'm at a conference a couple of years ago and I'm sorting business cards and this woman's next to me doing the same thing. And she's like, what do you do? And I'm like, blah, 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 consulting, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, how about you? She's like, um, I'm a publisher. I'm like, you know what? There's a leadership book in my head that needs to come out. She's yeah. like, let's get that book out of there. I'm like, yeah. okay. So I started kind of outlining the book and I was going to just write a you know generic, here's what I see as good leaders. And then I started looking around at my peers in some of the social justice and nonprofit work that I was doing. And and um, if you remember that TV show, Sex in the City, Carrie yes. Bradshaw, the writer, you know, and she oh, always yeah. sent out her, her typewriter, her Mac, and she's like, I couldn't help but wonder. And that kind of went through my head. I couldn't help but wonder, is um, being a queer person, we'll use the generic term, yep. giving you a differing opportunity, and not saying better or worse, but differing opportunity to develop your leadership awesomeness, general term, differently than our straight brothers and sisters. And that's kind of where I go down the path for pride leadership and talk about um, what I found to be, um, and for those who can't see this, I'm holding up my mouse pad, which oddly enough on my green screen, the green, it's a (laughs) rainbow stripe, the green stripe disappears, but I'm holding this up because it's actually these six leadership competencies I talk about. Um, Being being authentic, having courage, being empathetic, uh, effective communication, building relationships and cultivating culture. And so these were the six I chose to focus on in my book, Pride Leadership. And, and a side note for those listening, um, I, I have a lot of allies who read it. They get my cheeky dad jokes. It works. Um, in fact, my publisher said, uh, or my editor said, um, she, she's the first person to read it. And she's like, okay, Steve, I have feedback. I'm like, oh no, I'm nervous. And she's like, um, I'm not your target audience. I'm a white cisgendered straight woman. I'm like, And she's like, this is the book I wanted for my MBA program in leadership. I'm like, shut up. So it, it's, it's, it's cheeky dad humor mixed in with a lot of solid leadership theory. Um, but I, I, you know, and I'm, I'm in case you haven't figured out already listening. I'm, I don't take myself super seriously. I like to have fun. Two things happen. Life's too short. Why not? Two, right. you actually, you remember stuff better. 
quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so that's kind of how Pride Leadership came about. I'm, I'm so excited to keep sharing the story. It's only been about a year and a half since it came out, pun intended. Um, and so, uh, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's part of my, my keynotes that I do. I have an eight week online training class that I do. Oh. Um, it's leading to my next book, which I'm working on. And, and so it's been a really cool ride. I can't wait to check it out. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to order it as soon as we hang up today. Um, so let's talk for a quick minute about think in, speak up, and act out. Yeah. Uh, is is this a framework you've developed? Uh, how how does all that come together? Yeah. Thanks for asking. So. When I was teaching, um, kind of creating things to teach folks to be more constantly inclusive leaders, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an academic, I'm a nerd, I'm a teacher, and so I, I was trying to think of a way for leaders to remember how to be consciously inclusive. And so that's kind of how the, the think in, speak up, act out came into being. So think in is about you as a leader. So you, you start internal and say, what can I do to be more consciously inclusive? Insert, you know, project implicit, as we already talked about, and other ways to start to think about, you know, working on me first. Uh, mm-hmm. It could be things like, hey, join um, an ally group or that you're, you're uh, or a group that you're not demographically a part of. So for example, when I was at IBM, I was part of the women's network. Um, I'm not a woman, but that's a great way for me to learn how to be a better ally to my female coworkers. So something like that is, yeah. is a good strategy to kind of think in. Okay. Then it's speak up is really looking at the people immediately around you. And what are you doing to foster inclusivity within that sphere of influence? So for example, it could be um, if you're familiar with the concept of silent collusion, where um, people say a disparaging remark and I don't say anything to refute that. At that moment in time, I'm actually uh, supporting yeah. that that disparaging remark, and so right. that's a bad thing for leaders to do, right. uh, especially when we're trying to create inclusive in- cultures. Right. So, um, so uh, I say, you know, how to not engage in silent collusion, how to refute those statements to defend the rights of others in that that moment. So that's kind of the the speak up, and then act out is look at the big, bigger organization that you're part of. So it's it's looking at your your business processes. It looks at your marketing. It looks at, um, at you know even HR form. Are they inclusive of gender differences and all those little things that are big and small that that show our inclusiveness or exclusiveness? Sure. And ha- what can we do as a workplace or organization in the greater scheme to be more consciously inclusive? So that's kind of the framework. All of these things take a certain degree of courage to actually do. <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm thinking of think in. I think it, it's it takes a remarkable amount of courage for an individual to be, you know, to doing that kind of introspection and challenging the things that that define the way we think. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of scary to tell yourself that you might be wrong about something. Absolutely, it, it absolutely, and you, you're you hit the nail on the head, Mickey. It's it takes a lot of leadership courage. Again, one of the reasons why it's one of my my six in my book, mm-hmm. and um and and what I'm seeing is. Workplaces are are trying to embrace being more consciously inclusive, um, and some of the individuals within those workplaces are going kicking and screaming, kind of like my my friend Bob I talked about earlier, who was voluntold to be at this training. <laughs> and so when when um, myself or my team goes in and does some of these, and, and now we do them virtual, of course. Um, what we try to do is start from that common place for everyone. And so mm-hmm. I always frame up the whole uh, concept of being a consciously inclusive as a business or a workplace 
uh, as you're coming at it from one of three areas, you're, you're either saying this is the right thing to do for the world. Yes, I'm there. Or on the opposite side is I want to keep us out of trouble because if we're punitive, if we're not inclusive, okay. Right. And then, but in the middle there is that, you know what? Businesses, workplaces, nonprofits are much more successful and it's proven time again when they embrace inclusivity. And yeah. so I tell people, you know, I would love you to be at the, this is the best for the world, awesome sauce. But if you're not there, no worries. Let's talk about your workplace first. And eventually they do kind of follow along and realize, oh yeah, this does make the world better. I'm like, right. yes. Right. And it makes your, your workplace successful too. That's the cool stuff. Exactly. So exactly. it works. So how then, you know, if, if I'm going to take a look at the step called speaking up, uh, again, it takes courage. It takes a certain amount of strength to go ahead and speak up. But how do I do that in a in a constructive way that, as you say, would foster education and mindfulness? Yeah, there, thank you. Uh, there's... There's a lot of frameworks out there. I created my own. Um, it's a six six strategies to uh, mitigate silent collusion in your workplace. And it's Ooh. called MOPSAM. Um, and Ooh. it's a cheeky, <laughs> cheeky acronym. You can see I'm full of them. Um, and the way I, I ponied up both in the book as well as some of my training programs is um, I have show a picture of this uh, type of dog called a Hungarian pulley mop. Uh, if, and if you've never seen them, it looks, they look like a mop. I mean, they yeah. have like long you know, yeah. dreadlocks and stuff. And, and so I, and I, I introduce him as his name is Sam. And so if you take his breed and you take his name, Mop Sam, and those are the six things to remember. And it's really cheeky and silly, but you know, and I, I'm, I'm like teaching like, like senior executives at Fortune 500. They're so like, what are you talking about? I'm like, trust me, you'll remember it. And sure enough, they come back to me like, yeah, I'm, I did the uh, S in Mop Sam. And I'm like, yes. So, so it's just six ways that when you're in that moment, yeah. When someone says a stupid remark and you want to refute that, not only to defend the rights of whoever they're disparaging, but also to show that you're a consciously inclusive leader, yeah. you pick one of these six to be uh, to refute this, the uh, not engage in silent collusion. So, for example, um, the uh, S in Sam is say, say a non word. Mm -hmm. And so, I, I, and this is actually a true story. I was in Atlanta um, about two years ago or so. It was right before my book came out. And we were closing out a, a meeting. You know, it was like this change management project we did. Myself and one of my top doggers, Lori, was with, with me. And there's like 40 people in the room from the company or a client. And at the very head of the, the table was the senior executive. And, and it's he's male. And that's important to the story. Okay. So just as we're about to like start the meeting, the voices are dying down. You hear the senior executive say, well, you know how all women drive. And everyone just kind of stopped and looked toward him, but no one said a word. So we were all engaging in silent collusion at that moment in time. I'm about to say something. Lori kicks me on the table and I'm so glad she did. <laughs> so we, we, and there's a reason why. So we're sitting there and it felt like 40 minutes. Of course, it was only like a few seconds. And suddenly this, this younger gentleman who was fairly new to the company and the project wasn't even sitting at the table. He was kind of like a chair against the, the boardroom wall and just folds his arms and he goes, damn. And so he said a non-word that's the say in Mopsam. And what that did was two things. One, it showed everybody in the room that he was not on board with that comment as, as he shouldn't have been, or we shouldn't have been. And then two, it started that conversation like, yeah, um, Fred, what did you mean by that? And, and so it was, it was a beautiful thing. Now, will that always work? No. Um, right. and, and so, you know, again, in the Mopsam world, each of these six strategies have their place, each have their pros and cons. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, the A in, in, in Sam is you ask 
what the person meant by that. So that can go a couple of different ways. Um, Fred, what did you mean by that statement versus Fred, what did you mean by that statement? You know, right. same words, very different meaning. And so you have to kind of pick and choose. And, and we, I have a, a free, um, free online learning tapas, as we call them at top dog, you know, little bite-sized nuggets, anyone, and we can you know, give you the URL, put in the show notes for you to play around yeah. with mop Sam, should you wish to uh, become more consciously inclusive in that way? Yeah, please do. You know, again, my devil's advocate question here is if that happened to me and I was in that meeting and I was in the back of the room and I said, damn, I'm pretty sure I would get an HR referral, though. Wouldn't that? <laughs> it, 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 I don't know. I mean, you know, you're you're making your voice known. And, and I, I often go to whenever I'm working with with leaders and I, I say, you know, what are some of the organizational values that are, are part of your workplace? Mm-hmm. Typically speaking, there's something around being inclusive. That seems to be uh, out there. Yeah. So I always say, you know, if, if you're having challenges within your workplace, use those as a shield and a sword, because mm-hmm. that's your expectation as a member of this workplace, of this organization, to abide by those workplace values. And so mm-hmm. if, if, if now, of course, then you start getting into conversations like, well, are they really values that are lived? Or are they just beautiful things on the website or on the, the break room wall? Yeah, it's a whole other conversation, which I do get into in Pride Leadership, as a matter of fact, when we talk about culture. Yeah. Um, but but you really have to be mindful. But but they're a great place to start um, You know, when it comes to kind of some of those organizational challenges and, and people maybe you know, playing well or not playing well with others. Right. Steve, this is wonderful stuff. I know we could talk about this for hours on end if we give ourselves room to do that. But uh, if if a if an individual wanted to be in touch with you to talk about the work that you do, uh, to talk about pride leadership or anything else, how would you suggest they get in touch with you? Yeah, the, the easiest spot is to head to our website, uh, topdoglearning.biz, B-I-Z. Uh, you'll find stuff about me, a um, bunch of blogs and things that we have, our classes that are out there. And there's also forums that you can come and drop me a note and say hello. Excellent. And uh, please do send me the links uh, so I can share them in the show notes. Steve, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for making the time to do this with me today. Absolutely. Hope the rest of your week goes well. And, uh, you know, I hope we can revisit sometime in the future and do another one. I hope so. Take care, Mickey. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Snapcast. I value your feedback via the Nonprofit Snapcast website. That's nonprofitsnapcast.org. I would welcome the opportunity to tell you more about my consulting services. Visit nonprofitsnapshot.org and click on the consulting tab to learn more about the work that I do with nonprofits across the country. This has been the Snapcast. Thank you for joining us.